अरुणलम बुधो बुजो कनकावधतु संकीर्तनायक पितरो कमलाय दक्षो विश्वंबरो द्विजबरो युगधर्म पालो पंडे जगत प्रिय करो कारुणावतारो पंडे श्रीकृष्ण चैतन्य नित्यानंद सोरितो गुरुदाय पुष्पवंतो चित्रो संदोत मोनदो नामचिन्तामणि कृष्णस् चैतन्य राशविग्रह पुनशुद्ध नित्य मुक्तं विनत्वं नाम नामिनो हरि नाम प्रभु की जय श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परम की जय ओ morning thank you all for coming supravat namaskar kemanacha hello good so we have this morning a very auspicious happy and informal gathering Forgive me for saying thank you. Actually, in, uh, in 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 Bengali, the word is hardly ever used. Rather, appreciations are shown by offering compliments or bodily gestures, movements of the head, and and so forth. Mm. The idea being that the thank you creates a little bit of a distance, formality amongst friends, close associates, then we don't always say thank you, you're welcome, please, with regard to every exchange. It's understood. So you come here with, uh, not merely out of some law, but out of affection and, and love, and love for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha Govinda. And as that is coming to you in a prominent way through a particular devotee of the Lord. So, to honor that, we have this this gathering. So all of us are servants. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has taught this to Rupa And our services are different with regard to the guru and the disciple. So the guru is, is a servant of Krishna and sets a good example for us. And he's a servant of Krishna, just like Nityananda Prabhu is servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's a servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. At the same time, there's a... In the Vaishnava who serves in the capacity of Sri Guru, the delegation of the, of the Lord is present, so we should give all attention to that and color the humanness, ordinariness, if you will, of the Vaishnava in in light of the uh, delegation of Krishna, Krishna Shakti. Guru Tattva is not Jiva Tattva. So the Guru Tattva appears in in the Vaishnava and locally, it means for us. There we should pay all attention. So, you're doing that, and on the, on the basis of that, you've come. 
I say a rather informal gathering. We will not be having any uh, elaborate ceremonies, yagyas, and so forth. Something more out of, like out of the Jaiva Dharma, if you've read the Bhaktivinoda Thakur's work. Of course, the great uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Sastri Thakur did organize things a little differently to make a show to the public to bring attention to the uh, affairs of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and the rituals, uh, significance of the guru-disciple relationship and, and so forth. So you'll find in his different institutions and Prabhupada also in, in, in a lesser way also uh, observed various uh, functions, ritualistic functions in relation to the ceremonies of initiation, but they are more or less superficial and formal and meant to convince the public and and the participants that something important is going on. So hopefully you're already convinced of that. And uh, that important thing is is not so much those superficial arrangements and whatever pomp and, and so forth may be there in, in, in ritual ceremony and so forth, but the exchange of the mantra and the goodwill, and the holy name, the mantra, Krishna mantra, Krishna nam, and, and all important, the goodwill behind that. So today we are going to give the Harinam initiation and mantra diksha. And with regard to the Harinam initiation, a, a devotee asked me recently, he had implied, I should say, in his question, that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur instituted the Harinam Diksha, or giving the initiation of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. It's mentioned in the scripture that Krishna Nam is independent of Diksha, of initiation, because Krishna is non-different from his name. He can do anything. Uh, in this sense, the name of Krishna's power to reveal is not dependent upon anything. Nonetheless, he chooses a method through which he will reveal himself, and that is called Guru Parampara. We want to, when speaking of Krishna, we always want to be uh, underscore the fact that he's fully independent. Abhignaha Swarat, he can do anything. So for this reason, it is emphasized sometimes that Krishna Nam is so independent that uh, the Nam's power is independent even of Diksha. Nonetheless, he chooses a method by which he will reveal himself, and that is through the Guru Parampara. Therefore, we should receive Krishna Nam from a Guru in the Guru Parampara, and his goodwill behind that should be there. Um, so a devotee, uh, because of this being the case that Krishna Nam is independent of Diksha and emphasis in other institutions being placed more on the Diksha than on Krishna Nam, he implied in his question that perhaps Bhaktisiddhanta Sastri Thakur had instituted the Hari Krishna Mahamantra Diksha, as it's given in his uh, 
succession. But I uh, replied that actually the initiation of Hare Krishna mantra was uh, instituted originally by Advaita Charja. You might have read it on the Sangha. Sachimata was perplexed one morning that her child, Mimai, would not drink her breast milk. And the concern came to the attention of Advaita Charja, and he analyzed the situation and said, oh, your son will not take from someone who's not initiated. And so he gave her initiation, and it's mentioned, into the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. And then Mahaprabhu very happily continued to drink her breast milk. So, we're going to give initiation into the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Also, it, it was worth noting that while Krishna Nam is independent, of Diksha, as it said, means anyone can chant Kirtan. If people are chanting in the street and someone hears and chants, uh, he doesn't have to go through any ritual to participate in that. Krishna Nam is freely giving himself through Kirtan everywhere. But when we give initiation, Harinam initiation, we give initiation into the Hare Krishna mantra. So this is a Nam mantra, actually. Um, Sixteen uh, syllables: Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari 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 Ram, Hari Ram Ram Ram, Hari Hari. It's mentioned like this in Agni Purana, Padma Purana, Kalishantarana, Upanishad. And we give the mantra, Hari Krishna mantra, in the right ear. The Guru speaks it to the disciple, and then he also gives the Japa Mala. So Japa Mala for chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra, that is for initiated uh, disciples. Anyone can do Kirtan. But actually Japa Mala is for initiated devotees. And some of you have been doing Japa Mala before getting initiated. But hopefully it was not under the misconception that you could that everything was in place to do the Japa Mala without the shelter of the Guru. In most institutions under the direction of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi talk where the beads are not given except at initiation time. Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, had a different policy, but in reality the policy was not different, apparently superficially different. He, in his society, had anyone who was interested in taking initiation from him receive japa mala beads and chant on them for about six months, three months, a year, up to his discretion. Then he would give initiation. But in doing so, it was very clear to everyone who received the beads that they were chanting under his direction with a view to become his initiated disciple. So the idea is that we shouldn't think that we can buy these beads in the store, get the mantra from a book, chant, and and avoid the guru, and everything will be fine. Why we need a guru when we can buy them in the store, and get? And why do we need to hear it from him when we can get it from the book? And uh, uh, and so no one was under that misconception, under Prabhupada's guidance. Now, it may that misconception may misconception may be. Uh, proliferating. So it's worth worth uh, 
noting. Anyone can do kirtan, but japa is really for initiated devotees. So there is some significance to this uh, giving of the Krishna Nam, as we do in the line of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, and along with the Japa Mala, the Hare Krishna Mantra, then we also give uh, a Sadaka Deha Nam. In other words, when we when we receive the mantra, come under the shelter of the Guru, in this form of initiation, then we get, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, we no longer have a material body. We get what's called a sadhaka deha, a body of a practitioner. It's not a liberated body, and it's not a conditioned uh, body either. It's somewhere in between. There's a material aspect to it, as much as we are addicted to sense gratification, attracted to sense objects and so forth. And then there's a spiritual aspect in it, as much as we are attracted to or apply ourselves in relation to spiritual sense objects, to see the deity, to to read the literature, hear from the sadhu, chant the holy name, and so on and so forth. And as the latter starts to take precedence, as our senses become more and more absorbed in spiritual sense objects, that sadhakadeya actually takes on a spiritual uh, quality. And when we become liberated in this body, then the liberated soul, his sadhakadeha, when he leaves, merges into his siddhadeha. And that sadhakadeha is, of course, worshipable, worshipable, venerable by us for all times, for eternity. So we get the sadhakadeha, we get the uh, uh, practitioner's body at the time of initiation. And what that means to us also is as much as we apply ourselves in terms of the directives that come at the time of initiation and those that come afterward that seek to give support to it and, and bring about its uh, f- full manifestation, initiation, it is, that is the sambandha. Initiation is sambandha. It's under the realm of sambandha, means establishing a relationship. When the sambandha is, is, is fully developed, the initiation is, is complete. So there are very, while we do that today, it's, it's, initiation means beginning. So we're beginning something that reaches its fruition, its completion in, in, uh, in, in, in self-realization. In that regard, we have two initiations, minimum. Harinam and Krishnanam and Krishna Mantra. So they work together to bring about this sambandha, to establish a relationship with the Lord. And there are instructions, as I say, siksha, that seek to cause that, uh, what we're beginning here today, to reach maturation. So as much as we apply ourselves, then this initiation will take hold and and um, and bear fruit. So initiation, it means it takes some time. It can happen all at once. Can, there are examples of this in Chaitanya, Charitamrita, Gaurlila. Guru gives initiation and everything is complete. He realizes everything about himself, his relationship with Krishna, he's active in that realm, or, or cultivating it on the level of bhava and so forth. But 
we have a background that we come to this with, and uh, often it's not like the background of those who we hear about in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Some conditioning is there, so it takes some time for the initiation to fully develop, manifest. Try to do it in one lifetime, in this lifetime. Hmm? And that is the idea. So, <clears throat> Harinam, the holy name of Krishna, is all important to us. It is mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Krishna Mantra, what is it? Krishna Mantra, Krishna Mantra, uh, Krishna Mantra, Hoite Hobe Sangsar Mochan, Krishna Nam, Hoite Pobe, Krishna Charan. So Hoite Hobe, Hoite Pobe, Hoite Pobe gives some. Posi- more positive, uh, uh, has a more positive connotation. You will, you will get, you will be, you will get. By Krishna mantra, you will be. By Krishna nam, you will get. By Krishna mantra, you will be liberated. You will know your nature. And by Krishna mantra, you will get it. You will get established in, in seva. At the lotus feet of Krishna. So Krishna mantra is all important. <coughs> Peter Marsh gave the example of two circles. You may have read it in his book, Sri Guru's Grace. The big circle is Krishna Nam. It reaches all the way up to Golok and all the way down to most unqualified people. Inside that larger circle is the smaller circle of Krishna mantra, which is made up of Krishna Nam, but in a special formula. When we become qualified by Harinam, from the lower end of the Harinam circle, we reach a point where we can touch the, the lower end of this inner circle of Krishna mantra. And that will take us to the higher end of that smaller circle, affecting liberation. And then Krishna Nam will take us all the way to Golok. This is the idea. So Krishna Nam from beginning to end. Krishnanam is the real stuff. It's like the it's like the real meal, Anna. It's like the it's like the grains. But the mantra helps us to prepare those grains so we can have chapati or take take the meal of of rice. So these things, these two are working together. <coughs> Krishnanam, but but the, the the point I'm making is that Krishnanam is all important to us. The only value inside the mantra is that Krishna Nam is there. It, it, of course, it's arranged in a particular way, but if it weren't Krishna Nam was not there, then it would not have the same effect. So, Krishna Nam, non different from Krishna, then we will realize it in due course. Krishna Nam, the Hare Krishna, in a Hare Krishna mantra, should be chanted without any appeal. We should not attach any appeal to that. We should do it. As I mentioned the other night, some of you here for the pleasure of Guru, Goranga, Ram, Krishna, Radha, Govinda, only for their pleasure. There are two, three prominent manifestations of the holy name. Namabhas, Namaparad, Namabhas, and Shudhanam. What we are interested in is Shudhanam. 
Shuddhana means the pure name. Shuddhaya Puranam. What is it? Shuddhaya Purayan. Shuddhaya Purayan Gopavindai. We want to hear that pure um, uh, name of Krishna, like the flute sound of Krishna. The gopis and gopis, they hear that sound and they're charmed by that, taking us fully into the leela of Krishna. But we have to pass through nama parada and nama bhash, and nama parada and nama bhash, therefore, correspond with two other planes of experience. Golok is one plane of experience, Krishna leela. Krishna nam is fully present there. Ram, Ram, Mahavaho. Throughout Bhagavatam, which is the outline of the Leela of, of, of Krishna Leela, we can find the chanting is going on constantly of Krishna Nam. But Krishna Nam also manifests on the plane of exploitation, plane of karma, and in between, the plane of renunciation. In between Seva, Divine Seva, Leela Seva, and Exploitation of sense objects is the plane of renunciation. So Krishna Nam has a manifestation for the plane of karma and the plane of jnana. And they are respectively called Namaparad and Namabhas. Namaparad means that the chanting of the name is offensive. It's, it's, it's full of material attachment and various uh, misconceptions. If we chant and our chanting does not rise above Namaparad, we will get fruit from that <clears throat> chanting in relation to the plane of exploitation. Therefore, you can find people who chant and they get money and they get um, so many things. They may get followers, buildings, properties, money, in this life, you could get better next life, you could get psychologically reconciled or, or balanced. So many things you can get from Namaparad. You can go to heaven, but all within the plane of exploitation, plane of karma. Sometimes we find great devotees chanting and they have nothing. They seem poor and impoverished torn cloth and so forth. There are many examples like this. And we can go to India and we can find people chanting and have big, big following and lots of money and uh, properties and, and so forth. In fact, people open temples for those purposes. And they think, oh, people, people, oh, there's no, uh, uh, there's no Hanuman deity in this town. Let's put up a Hanuman deity here. And he starts a business like this. And so this kind of thing. And we would chant Ram Nam and... Um, open temple and he makes a living in this way. So we're not interested in that. Our chanting may be offensive and there are ten offenses we should learn about. They're mentioned in the scripture. Padma Purana mentions them and they should be avoided so that we can become free from Nama Parad. We don't want to remain in the plane of exploitation. Plane of exploitation means that because I'm absorbed in a bodily conception of life to that extent, I by the force of that identification, I look at things and turn them, things, people, manifestations of the Lord's Shakti, Krishna's Shakti, 
I turn into objects of my sense enjoyment. I take their life away. They have a life of their own. They have a relationship with Krishna. Everything is related to Krishna. When I see th through the filter of bodily identification, then I don't allow them their own life. That no wonder I'm having, I'm struggling. No wonder this plane is, is difficult. It's a fight. So we don't want to be involved in that. And to avoid that, in taking Krishnanam, we should be conscious of the ten offenses. The ten offenses are, one, we should not vilify great devotees of the Lord. Great devotees of the Lord means, or sadhus, it means sadhuninda. Excuse me, sadhuninda means to offend sadhus. So what is a sadhu? Who is a sadhu? Many people, sadhu means mahatma, great soul. So there are political mahatmas and there may be this kind of mahatma and that kind of mahatma. But what we mean is Vaishnav. Great soul is Krishna. And who glorifies him becomes great. So sadhu means Vaishnav, not one who worships the demigods or uh, uh, just someone who is very renounced, uh, powerful in any other respect. But who's who is powerful in giving Krishna, in, 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 in strong in his, his or her faith, uh, for, of, uh, faith for Krishna. So these are the agents of the Lord, such sadhus, and they should not be uh, vilified. Otherwise we go against the very foundation of bhakti. Second offense is that we shouldn't consider Krishna nam to be on an equal level with the names of the demigods or Krishna to be demigods to be equal to Krishna. So there are many gods and goddesses and so forth in the Hindu pantheon and they all have an important position. They all should be venerated, respected. We pay our dandavat pranam to all of them in light of their position in relation to Krishna. Not in such a way that, uh, that uh, we think, oh, Krishna or Ganesha or... Uh, Brahma doesn't matter. Anyone we can pay our best, they're all the gods. So both points I'm stressing here to you today. We should not consider the demigods to be equal to Krishna and we should not disrespect the demigods. We should show all, show all respect to them. We shouldn't think that if we happen to be find ourselves in a temple of Lord Shiva, we can't pay respect to him. That we think Vaishnavana Mitashambhu. Here is Shiva, best Vaishnav, Gopishwar, Shetrapal, uh, the protector of the Dham, of Krishna, of 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 of, of, of Vrindavan, Brahma, Ganesh, or to speak of other avatars to take it a step further. If in extreme extremity of one's bhava one criticizes a demigod or another avatar or makes less of them. That is one thing. But we will not get that bhava by imitating it and criticizing other avatars and neglecting them or uh, not showing respect to the demigods and so forth. <clears throat> Third offense is to, is to consider the guru avagya, to disobey the orders of the guru. To disobey the orders of the guru implies that we consider the guru 
to be something less than what the Guru is. Therefore, sometimes this offense is interpreted or translated as to consider the Guru an ordinary person. Because an ordinary person, we can take or we can leave. They give advice. We can take it, we can leave it. But we shouldn't uh, relate with the Guru in the same way. His words, they are significant, important to us. Sri Ramar used to say in one letter from our Guru, everything may be contained that we need if we could just draw it out. Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj is a good example of that. He got one letter from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He had written to, to his Prabhupada that Guru Maharaj, I'm separate from the mission as a householder. I cannot serve you directly. If there's any service you could give me, I, I, that would be, would be so kind of you. Please consider me in this light. And Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur wrote back and said, What? that I think it would be good for you uh, to preach in English. Another occasion, or maybe on that occasion or another occasion, he said something similar. If you ever get money, print books. I think it was at Radhakund. He was foreseeing, oh, I've created 64 moths, 64 temples, so many rooms for so many men and and, and women. And... uh, he could, he, he could see that this, could, it's, this very institution for spreading Krishna consciousness could become an impediment to the fostering of and the culturing of Krishna consciousness. People fighting over rooms and positions in the institution and so forth, these things happen. So he, he, he once said along these lines, oh, after they built the marble temple in Bagh Bazaar, which was a which huge accomplishment, a lot of money went into that, from persons who had been brought into the fold of the mission. Money was given for printing, for public, for as, uh, uh, constructing the uh, Bog Bazaar Moth in Calcutta. This was a landmark, a temple in Calcutta. Every All the sadhus, Vaishnavas, Shuddha Vaishnavas were staying in Mayapur, Vrindavan, Chichetra, Jagannath Puri, not in the big cities. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitaka went to the big city to establish a temple. His zone was wherever there's Maya, that's my zone. I will go there and preach. So he established a marble temple. And afterwards, he was a little disappointed. Seeing how the marble temple, and just think of the concept of it, could affect the, the sincere souls that were brought into the mission for purposes other than living a comfortable life how within the context of being in the mission we look for a comfortable life when it was efforts for a comfortable life that caused us to some extent frustration. We tried to have a relationship. We tried to have to get a good job. We, we tried in so many ways to be happy on our own strength. And we found that all... This is Bhakta has to have a little bit of this sensibility, a little bit of apathy, not too much, a little bit of apathy towards material life. Too much will be a problem because sometimes you will have to enjoy for Krishna also. Sometimes you will have to take nice prasad offered to the Lord after the Lord's feast. So too much renounced is, is not good. Uh, and too much in, 
propensity for sense enjoyment, that's also not good. Shraddha, which is your qualification for being initiated, is which arises from good association, is also qualified in the scripture by this. Not too much leaning towards sense gratification, not too much leaning towards renunciation. The two planes of exploitation, again come up, and renunciation. We want the middle path, bhakti. Someone tries to get all power from the Lord and, and, and uh, acquisition, material acquisition. Someone tries to, in the world, someone tries to renounce the world. Someone wants one thing from Krishna uh, to get the world. Someone wants to give up the world. They may ask Krishna. We are not interested in either. We're interested in serving Krishna. And if it means we have to live in the material world, in a major city, uh, for propagation, no problem. If it means we have to accept something, if it means we have to reject something, renounce something, it's not a problem. So some, in our qualification, in our shraddha, this balance should be there. We're coming because we have <coughs> faith in Krishna Nam, and as I said earlier, to a particular agent. And this is our qualification for receiving Krishna Nam from the Guru, and uh, is that the offense we're on? Guru Abhagya. <laughs> so we should not offend him. <clears throat> we should, we should uh, take him seriously, his advices, as I say, everything, in every word he says, we should pay close attention. There may be hidden meaning in that. Prabhupada heard, he, he sets a good example in this regard. He heard at Radhakun, oh, if you ever get money, print books. This is Saraswati Thakur thinking, here I again, I established these 64 moths, and it had its value, it has its value, but it has its downside potentially too. He could see it coming. Over institution is very it's paradoxical because the institution is created religious religious institution by a charismatic charismatic person in order to get a charismatic person out of it to create a, 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 such a person and that person then becomes the uh, enemy to the institution because he speaks charismatically he wants to turn things around adjust things he can understand the principle. He wants to adjust the, the details, and the institution is all about the details, and it tends to be set more in stone, and so forth. So, Bhakti Siddhanta advised Prabhupada like this, and he went out and formed a big institution. <laughs> but he also said at the time of the forming of ISKCON in New York, that, um, that now I'm forming this institution, and if it gets in the way of Krishna consciousness, we'll immediately close it. Go down the street and open another one if need be. A godbrother of mine who witnessed that, Chutananda Maharaj, wrote that to me many years ago, when something along those lines I had written in Clarion Call magazine, he wrote a letter to confirm I was there and Prabhupada said this. So we should be centered on the, on, on, on the principle. We come here to become Krishna conscious. We came here to go back to Godhead, not to start an institution. Bhakti Siddhanta said, I didn't come to this world to be a carpenter, although I'm building many temples. There's a purpose to these temples. We should see that we're, we're getting that, that that's coming to us. Arrange our lives accordingly. 
And Gurudev will advise us like that. He'll engage us according to our propensity, yes, but for the purpose of our overcoming our propensities and becoming, like I said before, like water. Hmm? You might have heard the CD. Like water, liquid. Taking any shape that's necessary for service. In the mission, will give us a shape of our own. In the Leela. In Leela Seva. Because all those forms, all those swarups in Krishna Leela, they're all, they're all forms of Seva. So we have to get the serving ego. We have to imbibe. As much as we imbibe that, as much as we apply ourselves in, in terms of serving ego, like I say, become liquid like water, flexible. Now we're very hard. Our hearts are hard. You know, we're very, very uh, uh, stuck in our egoic sense of self. I can do this, I can't do that. I'm like this, I'm not like that. All this has to melt, and we have become uh, fluid, liquid, to do as as need be for the mission, for our Gurudev, as uh, according to his advice. Sometimes, as I've said earlier, there is a ritual that accompanies this as a fire, and then so many things, bananas thrown in the fire, and barley, and sesame, and this and that, and the other thing. And what what it's about is not just th- throwing grains and such into the fire, but it's all symbolic of entering the fire, putting oneself in the fire. Raw, we are raw material. Put ourselves in the hands of the Guru. We put us in the fire. We come out cooked, offerable. Hmm? This is the idea. So as the more we develop the service attitude, and the more we we break down our present form, egoic form and sense of self, and dissolve that, while that sounds a little foreboding, in doing this in the context of the culture of bhakti, we get a form. And it's not one that's here today and gone tomorrow. It's based on stayibhav. Not emotions that come and go. And I feel like this today, tomorrow I feel like that. I love you today, tomorrow I, 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 I hate you. It happens, as I said before, marries a beautiful young young man, marries a beautiful young lady, and she turns into an old hag, and he turns into a couch potato. And neither can, can tolerate the other, or they go around tolerating one another. Our relationship with Krishna is not like that. It never tires. He never appears anything other than ever fresh and new, like I've never seen him before. Every time we see Krishna, it's like I've never seen him before. Something fresh and new in him, Anurag, at every moment. The relationship is called, it's based on emotion, but staibhav, dominant, permanent, cannot change. So we, by melting this present form in the fire of seva, we get a form that's really substantial, that's, that's grounded in Brahman, in reality. It can't be swayed by anything. So by commitment to the mission, to, to, if the Guru has a mission, to whatever extent, to the words of the Guru, Guru Mukha Padma Bokya Chitete Kodi Aikya. By paying attention 
to the instructions of Sri Guru, which is the delegation of Krishna to us locally. Krishna is everywhere. Krishna is omnipresent. He knows everything. But he comes to us personally in this form, locally, to deal with us. Therefore, Sri Maharaj used to say, if in your practice, your sadhana, Krishna appears to you and asks for some seva, do this for me, we would have to say, "What? excuse me one minute, please. Maf Korbin. And we go to our guru and ask, is this fellow appeared? He looked like this. He said he wanted some service. It looked like Krishna. I get your approval. Yeah, that's him. Go. Hmm? Or he may say, this is your imagination. Like that one fellow told Prophet, every time I chant, a blue light comes and surrounds me. What did Prophet say? Keep chanting, it'll go away. So, this is the idea. Prabhupada got in a letter from Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. I think it would be good for you if you can preach in English when he asked for seva. And this was really a suggestion. Prabhupada took it like an order. My Guru Marsh ordered me to preach in English. And every time when Prabhupada, at some event, when there was a great accomplishment in his mission, opening of a temple, something to this effect, He'd give his talk and he'd say, that all by the grace of my guru. He ordered me to come to the West and preach in English. Said, because I followed his order, all this is happening. So the order of Sri Guru, that is not to be neglected. And just as the, 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 the deity also is, appears to be made of wood or metal or stone, but we are taught Arche, Gurushu, Naramatir, Vaishnava, Jati, Bhuti, all these things go together. Don't think that the deity is made of stone. Don't think the guru is um, uh, an ordinary person or the Vaishnav. Hmm? Uh, otherwise, uh, Naramati, your mind is in hell. So as we have to look at the deity with a philosophical eye and think Krishna is personally present here and serve accordingly, so we shall also relate with uh, Sri Guru and, and it should come to pass that the humanness and, if you will, ordinariness of the Guru becomes charming to us as well. We see it in a, in a spiritual light. After all, Vaishnava is not ordinary. We say the ordinary side of the Guru, but the ordinary side of the Guru is that he's a Vaishnava. That's not an ordinary thing. <laughs> and then the fourth offense, the fourth offense is that we should not uh, blaspheme the Vedic literature. Oh, the Shastra is very important. This is a very prominent manifestation of, of revelation, which is our means of comprehensive knowing through revelation. Shastra uh, should, should always be respected. And this also means that there are certain parts of the Shastra that aren't directly about bhakti. There's parts about jnana and about karma. They should also be respected by devotees knowing well that they pertain to certain devotees, certain people, I should say, relative to their eligibility for spiritual life. They were written by, composed by Vyas, and uh, although Nard, in a, in a real bhakti sense, said, you've wasted your time by writing these, that was also because he had not written Bhagavatam, to put it all in perspective. But the Bhagavatam is there, that's the heart of all the scripture, 
but all these even peripheral scriptures they have they have they should be respected not that they should be respected in the sense that we should uh, follow their advice over bhakti shastra now that we have adhikar for bhakti but understanding their value in relation to others and so forth and, and seeing the whole picture all the scripture should be respected and the fifth offense is that we should not uh, give interpretation to the holy name. When Mahaprabhu was told by Balabhacharya that he wanted to speak about Krishna Nam, give an interpretation of Krishna Nam, <coughs> Mahaprabhu said, I only know Krishna Nam is Sham Sundar, Jashodanandan, that's all. There are many fancy ways with the dictionary that you can get a meaning out of Krishna Nam and, and make something up. This is not to be done. We should accept that Krishna Nam is Krishna himself. And the sixth offense is that we should not consider all the wonderful things that are said in the Shastra and by the sadhus and the guru about the efficacy of the holy name to be imaginary. That means that there are some things that are said in the scripture that if you do this, you'll get this, that are an exaggeration. The scripture takes a license to exaggerate. You follow? If, if it wants to get people to do something, it may say, and you'll get this. Or it may be that sometimes that happens, but not always, for everybody in all circumstances. So the scripture takes some license like this, but with regard to Krishna Nam, whatever is said about the glories of the holy name is not to be taken as exaggeration. This also carries on to the... Uh, in scripture, there may be many descriptions of Devalok and different planes of experience and so forth. Uh, and some, some, sometimes some metaphor is used there. He had a thousand arms. It means he, he was a powerful guy. Something like that. But when we speak about, when scripture speaks about Krishna Leela, no exaggeration there. He actually did lift the Govardhan hill with his little finger of his, of his left hand. He did manifest so many uh, Brahmandas and Brahmas and Shivas and Indras before Chatur Muk Brahma, the four-headed Brahma in Vrindavan and show such, so many wonderful things. So, because we mentioned, because Krishna and Krishna Nam, non-different. So there's no exaggeration when the scripture speaks about Krishna Leela or Krishna Nam. All such wonderful things actually take place on the plane of selfless divine love. Seventh offense, then, is to, what, is to Consider that if I chant Hare Krishna, because so many wonderful things happen, I can also commit sinful activities, and then by chanting I can counteract them. So I can have the best of both worlds. I'll go out, commit some sins, I'll come back at night and I'll chant. No, you'll be deluded. The pure name will never manifest with that in that disposition. The Shudanam that we're interested in above Nama Parag, which we're talking about, and Nama Bash, yet to be spoken of in any detail, that Shudanam, which is our ideal, 
will never manifest in such a mentality. Yes, it's said, once chanting the holy name will eradicate more sinful reactions than sins one can commit. But it means once one utterance of Shuddhanam. And that Shuddhanam will never manifest in that mentality of thinking, I'll sin and I'll chant, I'll sin and I'll chant. So you will remain only vibrating, speaking, Nam Aparad, and you won't get all those effects. And all those sins, so many of them will come after you also. So don't do that. And eighth offense is to consider that the yagya of chanting the holy name, the sacrifice of chanting the holy name, Sri Krishna Sankirtan, is like other things mentioned in the scripture, like Ashwamedha yagya, the horse sacrifice, the Gomeda yagya, or uh, so many types of rituals mentioned in the Karmakanda section of the Veda. No, again, Krishnanam is not, the Shudanam, pure name, is not in the plane of karma. So if we consider the, 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 the uh, sacrifice of the holy name to be equal to other such sacrifices, that will be an offense to the name. Eighth offense, now we come to the ninth offense. Ninth offense is, is that we shouldn't give the holy name to people who don't have the qualification to receive the holy name. What is the qualification? Shraddha. Shraddha. Divine faith. Divine faith that simply by chanting Hare Krishna, my life will be perfect. And that by receiving the Krishna Nam from, from my Guru, I'll have everything I need. I just have to apply myself. So in this regard also, who's doing the service of the Guru, that Vaishnava doing the service of the Guru is warned, don't give Krishna Nam to people who don't have faith in Krishna Nam just to make a living. People do that. They may set up a shop and they give Krishna Nam. They think, oh, that fellow, he has a lot of money. I should get him as my disciple. Or she's in this position of that. I get them as my disciple and I'll make a living like this off of Krishna Nam. No. We should, we should give to the faithful and expect nothing in return but their faith. Now, their faith is their life, so it's tricky. <laughs> we expect their whole life, but only in proportion to the development of that faith. Therefore, we're careful to advise the disciples to give everything, in the, as I said the other day to someone, in a natural way, according to the measure of your faith. You should know you should give everything. But as your faith grows, you understand that. And what it means, what, it, what you understand is, I'm giving nothing, I'm getting everything. This all, this broken pieces of glass, as Dhruva said, compared to the, to a valuable jewel. And I'm hanging on to the broken pieces of glass. So as our faith develops, then we give ourselves. And we find that whatever we get is far greater than anything we can give. Giving our material possessions is, is nothing. We're not, we don't even have to, we only have to give part of ourself then. And often people only give the extra things that they were going to sell anyway or are dispensable. That's why I like to tell, you should give as much as it hurts. Feel some pinching, then you know some giving is going on. So, Guru has to be expert to tell us to give everything. And then to advise us, no, don't give that yet. You keep that. You need that right now. Without that, you won't have the strength and enthusiasm to, to take the holy name and increase your faith. 
so that you can give more, give yourself fully. And tenth offense then is to maintain material attachments while chanting the holy name. What it means is that if we take the holy name of Krishna, we'll get some impression. If we take sincerely, pay attention with all of our heart, this is how we should chant, with all of our heart, trying to pay attention very carefully, uh, make some aspiration that I could be a good servant to Krishna and his leela under the direction of my guru, then some impression will come. I should do this. I should leave this. I should go there. And it will be clear to us that this should change in our life. When that becomes clear, to not do that, that becomes offense to the holy name. We're asking the holy name. The holy name is revealing something. And then we're hanging on. We should let go. Let it go and be happy. <laughs> we find we become so much lighter. We've just given up a burden only. So these are the ten offenses. We should know them and study them. Think about the, deeply the implications of them. Try to avoid them. In between then, we can, then we can rise above the plane of exploitation. In between the plane of exploitation and the plane of service is the plane of renunciation. From karma mark to jnana mark. So, Krishna manifests also in the form of nama bhas. Nama bhas means like a shadow. So, a shadow or a reflection of the name. The fullest benefit we can get from nama bhas is liberation. But we cannot get entrance into the plane of divine service and Krishna Leela from that. That requires Shuddhanam. There are four types of Namavas. Sanketa Parihasyam Vas Tovahelanamevava. It's mentioned in Bhagavatam. Sanketyam, like a Jamil. Sanketyam. Sanketyam Parihasyam Vas Tovahelanamevava. Sanketa means we intend one thing, but we chant Krishna Nam for it. Like he wanted to address his son, he called his son Narayan, he was calling his son, but he was using the name Narayan. Narayan, Narayan, but he was actually calling his son. That's called Sanketyam. Sanketyam, Parihas, Parihas means joke. Sometimes people go, Harry Krishna, there's Harry Krishna, but he hasn't got any hair. And they try to make a joke. So this is uh, another f- form of uh, namavas. Stobha uh, means to use the holy name for something else, like to use the holy name to as a what do they call it? To play the mardanga. There's so many tini tini ta tena tanikata tita. You know, <laughs> but you can use. Uh, Krishna Nam in that, or Jiva Goswami used Krishna Nam in the form of Namavas in his Harinam uh, Amrita Vyakarana, his grammar book for for um, Sanskrit. There's so many rules in grammar, so he wrote uh, how to remember these rules in relation to Krishna, different names of Krishna. So this is another form of Namavas. And then Helena means neglectfully, like we wake up in the morning, oh, Hare Krishna. Yawning, oh, Hare Krishna. Something like that.
So this, it, the idea behind the Namabas is that there's, it's not offensive. There's no offense in it. But there's no uh, divine service in it either. So it's possible by Namabash that you could get liberation. It doesn't mean every time that somebody says Harinam in joke, they're going to get liberation. It's possible if there's no offense. It happens sometimes. It means that the furthest reach of Namabas is liberation. So in our lives, we're chanting. Our chanting may be offensive. If we pay very close attention, it's worth noting that Bhaktivinoda Thakur considered attentiveness in chanting to be the means to overcome all the offenses. Distraction is an anartha itself. We should try to overcome the anartha, the unwanted thing of distraction, by, by concentrating. And, and even though we can't concentrate, we try. You make a concerted effort, in time you'll improve. And in the context of making a concerted effort to chant attentively, you can overcome all offenses. You can chant Namabhas. Namabhas is like dawn. Like the, the, the day comes, it's coming, but the, you don't see the sun yet. So it's, it's, it's in the context of our practice, in the cultivation of Shuddhanam, Namabhas is auspicious. It's, as they say, like, like, uh, like, the, like the dawn. The sun hasn't yet shown its face on the horizon, but things are lighting up. You can start to see. Prabhupada used to call it the clearing stage. From offensive chanting and all types of misconceptions that come with that and so forth to the clearing stage. The conception is refined. And then from that platform, coming to Shudhanam. And Shudhanam means divine service. We can enter into Krishna Lila. So, we should avoid the offenses, properly understand Namabhas, cultivate Shudhanam. Those who, and now I'm going to give the beads to, your Japa Mala, Konti Mala means neck beads, uh, Sadaka Deha Nam, and you should chant, my Guru Maharaj recommended 16 rounds minimum daily. It's mentioned also in the Bhagavatam in relation to Kali Yuga, the time in which we live, that there are five things that wherever they are, the Kali can foster, he, he can, uh, can have a life. So we don't want to be Kali Chela, a disciple of Kali. We want to be Krishna Chela, a disciple of Krishna. So we should try to avoid, we, we, we should be very vigilant in avoiding those things that give room to Kali. What are those five things? Intoxication, gambling, as you say, not being kind to others, that means jivadoi, means animal killing, animal eating, and Sex outside of an ordained arrangement, dharma virudha buddha shu, kamusmi bharatashapa, 
as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. There's a there's a space for that. It means uh, married life, a place for for exhausting that propensity. <laughs> it should be understood. And five, hoarding of money, hoarding of gold. If we too much keeping money, these other things will come in. This is the idea. Because when Kali was told, oh, there are, you can have a space wherever these four things are, he said, there are no such things like that. He told Parikshit Maharaj in your kingdom. And I'm a Sharanagata, I've surrendered to you. You've got to give me some space. It's my time. My time has come. So he said, all right, wherever there's a hoarding of gold, you can go there. The implication being, as I say, if we're too much hoarding gold or money, which represents money, gold, then those things will also come. So how we'll avoid that? We should give some of our earning and purify our existence in the world for the propagation of Krishna consciousness. So avoid those things. Chant Hare Krishna. Fulfill your vows for chanting every day and do it attentively. I'm going to give you also bead bags and I give white bead bags and you should have a white bead bag because in the world, those of you who live outside of the ashram, you can wear any color that you want. But the white color symbolizes not being worldly. The Paramahamsas, like Rup Sanatan, they wore the white vesh. We, following the line of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitaka, who was a Paramahamsa, positioned himself as a Pati Brajak, as a sannyasi, and wore this saffron dress for preaching, teaching by that, that by such propaganda work, one could truly, and Kirtan, one could truly arrive at the perfectional stage of Paramahamsa and sit and do Nam Bhajan. He got up from Nam Bhajan to do that preaching. So, white is the Paramahamsa color. It happens to be the householder color too. So, it also means Grihe Thako Vane Thako. You can be a householder also. That's all right. And you can still be a Paramahamsa. So, you wear the white, keep white a bead bag, and that means that, that, that this white is taking you out of worldliness. And the beads, incidentally, they should be chanted on. And I should tell you, in this way, the beads are shaped like a tree. From the base is a larger bead, and it goes all the way to the top. It gets smaller and smaller, and there's a fruit at the top. So you should start the first round at the base, first bead, and chant all the way to the top pick a fruit and come back down. So going around from large bead to the smallest one round, and then turning around and heading down as the second round, back and forth like this. And the bead should be chanted on with the middle finger and the thumb. And the index finger is to be kept in the bead bag, outside the bead bag, through, through this hole. Here. That's what it's for. Meaning, the idea, implication, is that the index finger is used for so many things, uh, common things, and 
it's uh, sometimes for impure things as well, so it's kept outside of the bead bag. So, first now, let me put, uh, come forward, and put these neck beads on you. Prabhupada used to call these uh, a collar, just like a dog has a collar. Once I, we told Prabhupada, when he arrived in San Francisco and he came up in his quarters and I was there, and one of us said to him, oh, Prabhupada uh, started glorifying him, such a great Vaishnava and so forth. He said, actually, <laughs> he laughed, he said, I'm just uh, Krishna's dog, that's all. And we were all shocked. Oh, how can we tolerate him saying such a thing? And then he laughed again. He said, that's a very high thing to be the dog of Krishna. Hmm? So he used to think like this, of his, this Kunti Mala Nikpi's like a collar. So this this identifies us publicly as a devotee of Krishna. We have, and it will force us then, if we think of it, to live up to the expectations of, of our guru, what it means to be a devotee. Now you're not on your own anymore. But uh, you're connected with the sampradaya, so you have to think what I'm, what a, what a dignified order I'm representing and conduct myself accordingly. And that way also the Vaishnava dress is very conducive, helps us in the beginning. <laughs> if we're wearing this dress, it's difficult then to do things that are inappropriate in this dress. So you understand yes. clearly? All right. And then I'll help, you, I'll help you understand by staying constantly in touch with you and giving you all types of good advice. Okay? So, yeah, I'm going to give you a name, Baladev Das. Okay, pay your obeisances here to the deity and your guru. Okay. Baladev Das. Baladev is not so philosophical. <laughs> He's a little more simple, yeah, I'll take those. Okay, sit down. He's a little more simple. In fact, he was, when he was born, from Rohini, he appeared very charming and beautiful, but deaf and dumb. Until Krishna appeared, then he came to life. Mm -hmm. So come to life in Krishna consciousness. Krishna Nam ki Jai, Sri Krishna Mantra ki Jai, Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki Jai, Jai Nitilila Prabhisto, Vishnu Pad, Paramahamsa Parivajaka, Chajasta Tarasata, Sisma Jilesi, Bhakti Vidanta, Sami Prabhupada ki Jai, Jai Nitilila Prabhisto, Vishnu Pad, Paramahamsa Parivajaka, Chajasta Tarasata, Sisma Chibhakti Rakshakshida Dev Goswami Maharaj ki Jai, Jai Nitilila Prabhisto, Vishnu Pad, Paramahamsa Parivajaka, Chajasta Tarasata, Sisma Chibhakti Siddhanta, Sashti Thakur Prabhupada ki Jai, Joy Nitilila Prabhishto Mr. Patpamsa Shilavo Kishoda Babji Maharaj Kija. Joy Nitilila Prabhishto Mr. Patpamsa Sisimachi Suchidananda Mutakur Bhakti Vinod Kijai. She Bhakti Vinod Paribar Kijai. Sisi Gornatananda Kijai. Sisi Krishna Balaram Kijai. Sisi Radha Maran Mohanji Kijai. Go Bhakti Vinod Kijai. O Pramanandi.